Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's episode 145. Yeah, it's not for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Well, the Wonder Woman trailer was this week. Oh. (laughs) And and if I can pull an out of context quote that I could use at the top of the show from a recent comics medium, I'd do it. So this week it was. Yeah, it's not for everybody. (laughs) It seemed to fit us. Okay. (laughs) So. Thank you for tuning in. Do you tune into a podcast? I, I think so. You kind of have to go out of your way to find it and then dial it up. Yeah. it's uh, it, We literally are entertaining dozens of people. Oh. Or perhaps my buddy Trebuchet 78 times. It's hard to tell based on the numbers. But <laughs> if you're tuning in, I'm going to warn you up front. This is going to be one of our... Uh, we're recording it late because, yeah, last week we had some technical problems. Uh, if you listen to the show, there was a, a muddy sounding sequence uh, in the middle where something was crackling. So it was a lot of pulling plugs and doing testing and a bunch of stuff came up this weekend. So we're literally recording at this at the last minute on Tuesday. Again, we're sorry we're late. In the face of a blizzard. Yes, we're in the <laughs> middle of a goddamn blizzard here in Boston. Uh, we've gotten like a foot of snow, which has since turned to rain, which means tomorrow shoveling, I will have the inevitable heart attack. So tell my mom <laughs> I love her and to stay out of my porn. See, this is the problem. We hate kids, so we move to a place where no, there's no kids. It means there's no kids to shovel. Yeah, I don't think I can get Fat Barry, the neighbor, <laughs> to, to come over for a Finsky to shovel out the driveway. I don't think that's going to work out. And our our condo association is well known for bringing the heavy equipment and doing one quick pass and leaving a good solid two inches of of yeah. solid snow and ice. So yeah, it's it's going to be all ice melt tomorrow and possibly a, a, a day working from home in air quotes. <laughs> yes, working from home after a night of fine. Berkshire Brewing Company Steel Rail Pale Ale. Even though they're not sponsoring me, they're back in the rotation tonight. <laughs> So you have no no excuse whatsoever not to be a complete maniac on the show tonight. Um, I'm an alcoholic. No, <laughs> I have no excuse whatsoever. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, we we think Knockwood. Uh, we think we've chased out the technical problem that caused the crackling. Just in case, or driven it further into hiding. Yeah, that's also possible. <laughs> Because, yeah, ultimately I couldn't find a particular cause. I just pulled all the connections and reconnected everything and did a defragmentation optimization of the hard drive in case it was something about the read-write head jumping back around. And ultimately I've not seen that on any of our test recordings since. We're still recording into uh, the the trusty backup digital yeah. recorder um, just in case. Uh, part of me is hoping it still crackles so I can buy a new mixer and a couple new microphones. Don't say that because then, you know, with this storm, that will be inevitably, now that you've committed that money imaginarily (laughs) to the soundboard of your dreams, all these lovely evergreen trees and and other forest from the conservation land around us, one of these trees is coming into a window. Fuck that. We're insured. We'll get a nice brand new window (laughs) and new floors. We'll live in a hotel for a while on room service. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I really don't want. That. I don't want that. <laughs> I've seen the hotels in this town. Yeah, the room service is meth. <laughs> I really, <laughs> I'm not for that. So it may be a jalapeno popper <laughs> <laughs> that that someone left. Yeah, and it's one of those sad Burger King jalapeno poppers. Oh. Yeah. So, all right. So, yeah. Hopefully, we maintain power uh, throughout this episode. 
Uh, although when we get power back, even if it cuts off right now, I'll put the four minutes up just so we can say we did a show. Okay. The sad thing is after two weeks of being late, and uh, the other thing is this is going to be live to tape, so if you've gotten used to shows with no ums or fewer long pregnant pauses, as one of us tries to figure out a word to say that isn't fuck, uh, this is not going to be that episode. This is going to be wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It gets recorded and put on the internet afterwards, so... This is as close to live as you get. If you like it, send us an email. Maybe we'll start live streaming this shit. Oh, I always wanted to do that anyway. No video. <laughs> Nobody needs to see this in all its glory. <laughs> but what the hell? <laughs> Another excuse to buy more equipment. Start live streaming. Yikes. Yeah, no. Let's let's just keep it tight, please. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll keep it tight. Uh we'll we'll hope something doesn't crash through the window. Uh all right. So uh yeah, Wonder Woman. Yeah, it's not for everybody. We got the first extended trailer, uh, which we're not going to talk about in a lot of depth, because it really didn't feel like there was a lot of new footage in it from the teasers that we'd seen before. Well, they had some origin stuff. They had... Uh, I, I didn't see a clay doll. No, or, but they, there was more inferences. wandering around, balls out. <laughs> uh, what's the origin now? Tell me, Greg Rucka. Return my calls, Greg. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I'm not the only person um, out there who feels this way, at least based on a cursory scan of the internet. I know I'm not. I watch these Wonder Woman teasers and these Wonder Woman trailers, and I go, oh, God, please don't suck. Like, when I- Yeah, that's the sad situation DC Films has put us in. And I will, up to a, up to a level that a lot of online comics dicks because that's all i am i have no credentials i'm an (laughs) online comics dick but that explains most of us most of us if you're listening to this you can be one of us too start putting that on your cards (laughs) first i need cards (laughs) oh you have cards oh that's right i I printed like five (laughs) thousand cards i think i've passed out like five of them since you had them made (laughs) yeah i think i write uh beer orders on the back of them sometimes (laughs) if you're running into us at a convention uh, we'll give you a card it's mostly ious yeah pretty much (laughs) Can you please buy us a drink? I forgot to go to the ATM. Yeah. So, yeah, the the comics dicks, it's... I will defend the DC films more than most. It's I think there's a certain amount of merit, particularly to the ultimate cut of Batman versus Superman. Which is still highly flawed. It's extremely flawed. It's better. It's not real good. I don't think it's as bad as everybody said. But as I've said a million times, I grew up with 1989 Michael Keaton Batman where he had machine guns on his car. Uh, you know, it's, I, I get where some of that comes from. Yeah, but think about it. He had machines, machine guns on his car, but people still loved it for a while until they spent some time deconstructing it and realizing he had machine guns on his car. But then from there, the fall from grace to bat nipples. So, to, so to start with something that's already Batman versus Superman, the fall from grace to bat nipples will be a short <laughs> just trip, <laughs> like I, a I, splat. Like I, just. <laughs> I wonder if Ben Affleck is just waking up <laughs> screaming. God damn this thing! <laughs> I did all this optimi- optimization. It's like you know. Oh, we have to restart your computer. No, you're not going to restart now. Computers are shit. Yes. <laughs> But they run the show, so... Yeah, well, it stepped on my joke. Ben Affleck waking up screaming, clutching his nipples. <laughs> he wakes up, wakes up dreaming he doesn't have any, that somebody ripped them off and put them on a rubber suit. <laughs> Zack Snyder with a pair, chasing him with a pair of scissors and crotchless pants just screaming, nipples! Affleck going, no, I don't want to make Sucker Punch. Stop! Stop! <laughs> yeah, so... It, it, 
uh, Suicide Squad, Big Dumb Fun. Yeah. No better than Big Dumb Fun. But, but uh, can we back it up? I'm sorry. The Academy Award winning Suicide Squad. <laughs> yes. Where's my whiskey funnel? It's <laughs> Big Dumb, badly edited fun. And it was it was for costume design, I believe. And you know why? No bat nipples. <laughs> exactly. No bat nipples, everybody. <laughs> that's that's the literally the best that DC Films <laughs> hopes for right now. Uh, even Man of Steel, although that is vastly diminished, I think, by Batman versus Superman, I can still up to a point defend. I think Zack Snyder got stars in his eyes. I can do Dark Knight Returns and the real Man of Steel sequel just sort of got chucked aside. You know, the one where he learned a lesson from <laughs> la- allowing millions to die and billions of dollars in property damage. Yeah, that little lesson. That little lesson. That would have redeemed everything that happened in the last 20 minutes of that movie. The lesson that would have said, don't abuse your powers just to save your girlfriend when she puts herself in stupid, precarious positions. Oh, I learned that lesson a long time ago. You're on your own. (laughs) I will bail you out tomorrow. (laughs) How long can I go without shoveling out my car? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, DC Films has kind of put us in this position of... Even though I'll defend all of those movies, it's hard to call any of them properly good. So now we're, what, three movies in? Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Suicide Squad. Yes. So Wonder Woman will be the fourth. And yeah, I I desperately want it to be good. I'm wondering about some of the choices that were made because I can't watch any of these trailers be they the teaser trailers or any of the footage that came out of Comic-Con or whatever without thinking, yeah, that's Captain America the First Avenger, except you stuck it in World War One. Yeah, and I and that's the irony. They stuck it in World War One to try to differentiate it from Captain America, the first Avenger. Well, and World War One <laughs> is objectively, from a dramatic standpoint, the shittier war. Yeah. Who's the bad guy? <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's I know it's Germany, but it might be Austria. I went to an American public school, so my history is a little <laughs> shaky. Is it Austria-Hungary, or is it Germany? Uh, I believe that they all were complicit. They, okay. were, they were sort of a... I legitimately have problems. I know Germany got reparations, led to Hitler. Yes. It's a li- <laughs> You're stammering and yelling about Hitler. I, this can't be a good thing. <laughs> I went to, I, I, I somehow got accepted to college. I don't know how now. And not as a history major. No, oh, God, no. <laughs> Journalism, first draft of history. Shitty first draft. Most of mine was erased. But, <laughs> seriously, somebody shot Franz Ferdinand. Yes. And they're a terrible band, so that's okay. And then uh, Reasons and Trenches and Swamp Foot. And soccer games at Christmas. And then and EDM. And then... <laughs> and then Kraftwerk. No. Right. Kraftwerk was involved. Falco. And no, then no, the, you got that backwards. The Berlin it's Wall bad. fell, maybe. Blue jeans for cigarettes. I'm very confused. <laughs> I should be a teacher. <laughs> I just did 75 years of history and two minutes of disjointed... Stay mm. in school, kids. Berkshire Brewing Company. Fine. Steel Royal Pale Ale. So in any event, um, but yeah, there's no big <laughs> Hitler. No, you know, Captain America punched Hitler. Who do you punch in World War One? I have no idea. The Kaiser. Um, I've heard about the Kaiser. All quiet they on the Western. Role after him. All quiet on the Western Front suggests that you punch uh, everybody that wasn't in the trenches, like all of the middle management and up that were sending the young men out to be killed. 
So, well, that's basically any war, is it not? I think so, and I think that's sort of what I, I don't know. That's what they're going to go for with Wonder Woman. I mean, <laughs> the, the man's world sucks. The fattest, most mountain dude drone controller isn't saying I work for a champion. <laughs> Just not. <laughs> that's why they have drones now because they're not mouthy. <laughs> yeah, but somebody's got to drive them. I guarantee they don't get the away from... kids these days don't care. They've got Mountain Dew and Cheetos and a joystick. I guarantee you that's not the case. I guarantee you, you fire a missile, it's like, I'm not sure what I hit. Yeah, those guys aren't going home saying, oh, I love my job. They're putting vodka in their Mountain Dew. Oh, that changes everything. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'd, I'd launch nukes for vodka in my Mountain Dew. You don't even like Mountain Dew. I don't even like vodka. <laughs> it's been that kind of a week. Okay. We were talking about Wonder Woman. We were. <laughs> so that's what I'm concerned about. World War I is objectively muddier in our minds. There's no clear, this is definitely the bad guy. They're going to have to create one. I saw one that looked like Ray Weiss. Ray, I, don't, I don't know if he's in this or not. From Twin Peaks? Yeah. I didn't pick up on that, but uh, I think you've watched it a couple more times than I have. Yeah, but I could also be wrong. There's a lot of generic-looking bad guys that are that are vaguely statesman-like looking. I would love to see Ray Wise in this, but if it fucked up his return to Twin Peaks Season 3, I hope he <laughs> dies making a movie. I know he's in Twin Peaks Season 3, and God help you, listener. When that comes out, I'll do a whole episode just talking about Twin Peaks. That's later. People, you've now just had a little glimpse into the personal hell that's my life until this thing fucking gets here. I just, I just want you to be aware. and Just and drunk light, and showing her little Showtime videos of Twin Peaks. Light a candle for me. Um, if you see me in public, I may blink once. It's, it is a cry for help. <laughs> Not that bad. He wakes up in the night shrieking about midgets talking backwards. <laughs> and then he talks about Twin Peaks. Peaks. <laughs> Twin Peaks. As I just step on my joke. That's not even a good porno name. I know. <laughs> Twin Peaks writes itself. You may hear it objectively. I, I suppose it's a fetish thing, maybe. A, oh, yeah, that fine Kentucky bluegrass. <laughs> I. You're looking at me with the biggest, like, trapped in headlights deer look. It's I like, don't what? even know how to claw back from this. I, I'm sorry I stepped on my joke. Where are you going with this? <laughs> What do you tr- and what-, what does this have to do with Wonder Woman? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they're going to have to create a bad guy is, is what it comes down to. It's it's a bold choice if you think about it because it is from an age before comics. Yes. They're, you know, Action Comics was 1938, so there is no comics history for this to really build on. It's really a blank canvas. It's just a weird blank canvas to choose because yeah mm-hmm. you have to sort of fill in the gaps whereas you know 1938 uh, up through world war ii it's yeah you plug in hitler well the one thing they seem to be spending a lot of time with with these latest teasers and trailers are the powers of the bracelets which leads one to wonder is this going to be the the sort of gun on the wall that will save whatever is happening that goes wrong in the movie and if so don't play them up so much even though i know it looks cool because then you're going to ruin it for the movie <laughs> Yeah, but there are certain things that you have to show the non-comics reading public to to be Wonder Woman. You have to show the lasso, which we got two or three times. So, yep. yep, look, it's a magic, magic lasso. Uh, you have to show the magic bracelets, even though these are clearly, what are they, greaves or something? I don't You're know. the one who lived with a dude who made armor for <laughs> <laughs> for Ren Fairs for a while. The things that go all the way. They're yeah, not I never magic. watched him actually make it. <laughs> I hope he didn't go to the Ren Fair either. That's not. <laughs> that's a long day with a turkey leg and watered down Bud Light. <laughs> but, 
Whatever they are. I think they're Greaves. Okay. Uh, somebody will email me if I'm wrong, and that's fine. But uh, so, yes, they're bracelets, but not bracelets. But you have to show that, oh, no, they're really the magic bracelets. You're assuming I made eye contact with that roommate. Well, like, <laughs> he just was the roommate that liked to hang like not even not even. Wait, wait, wait for it. All right, I suppose we can make it a sad story because <laughs> it, it, well, it was sad for him. Like, I, so, you know, some people have fantasy cheesecake pictures and, you know, maybe they've got, you know, some Boris Vallejo. Right. Or maybe they've got some Franzetta. I don't know what the fuck this was. This was like if somebody took out a crayon and said, I'm going to draw a barbarian. And it was like a stick figure. And, <laughs> and then and my barbarian's going to have some chicks. And they were, they were stick figures with boobs. <laughs> and, stick figures with boobs, and maybe, you say. And maybe in a different color, there was something that was suggestive of, of scale mail or, or a loincloth or horns. I don't know. But this was... <laughs> I came, I came home from the mall one day and I was told that the walls, uh, I believe the quote was, this is the unbearable whiteness of being. I had to do something. I'm like, okay. And there they were, these pictures. So I moved out. <laughs> that's, that's all I got. That's Amanda, everybody. <laughs> Another great story by Amanda. Yeah, it's not for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> those pictures were not. They were not. They were horrible. I saw those. It's <laughs> uh, God, we're going off on tangents today. Uh, we're, we're the, okay, so yeah, you have to show something that even though they're not the magic bracelets, that name check the magic bracelets. Those are the two big elements. The invisible jet, although you can't really show that even if you want to. I don't know if we're going to get to that in this movie or not. Mm. Uh, it seems like a kind of a silly thing to have. But uh, what the hell? <laughs> somehow Zack Snyder's got his weird <laughs> gooey thumbs in this. Somehow. He's, somehow. He's EP, and I guarantee it. Ooh. Executive producing. So it's, Or I, Donna is, and he's just coming to the set because Donna's going. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so I can, I can understand why they're showing certain things and playing them up. You sort of have to to show everybody, hey, this is Wonder Woman. No, it's not... It's not weird, <laughs> nippleless, murderous Batman that everybody was scared of from <laughs> from Batman versus Superman, you know, or neck breaking Superman, or or I will show you mercy, Superman. I heard. <laughs> yeah, dude, this is mercy. This uh, is mercy. Yeah, it's it's Nine's weird. So bad in my head. I like Batman versus Superman more than I do when I have to talk about it or defend it. In any way, <laughs> the, the, just talking about it again, it, it's like when Bonari was on the show, I walked into it going, that was not terrible, and walked out going, that was the worst piece of shit ever. I've watched it a couple times since, but yeah, as soon as I have to talk about it, it's, yeah. Well, I, then you realize how flawed and awful it is. It's, and then you feel bad for defending it. I, <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, the soundboard didn't work. Shit. The soundboard doesn't even want to help you. The soundboard knows. There's nobody who can help me now. No. It's, it's still in my head. I like it better than I can possibly defend it while go. still saying it's not a very good movie. Okay. So, yes, you have to play up these certain elements of Wonder Woman in order to show the rubes, the the regulars, the civilians that yep, this is the Wonder Woman just like uh, Linda Carter like your mom used to watch. It's it's like the off not even store brand instant vanilla pudding where it's like this will do in a pinch into like and watch a real superhero movie. Yeah, and I'm hoping that this really is not that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's interesting. It's given itself this weird, comicless, blank canvas where it can be whatever it wants in an age that is clearly before any superhero. I don't think I've really seen any superhero stories in a pre-World War II era. No. That's interesting, even though I think they're setting a challenge for themselves. Uh, the visuals are excellent. Yes. Uh, but it's also, it's a woman with a sword running around stopping machine gun bullets. We haven't seen a hell of a lot. It's a weird thing. It's, it's like, what could the big bad possibly be? This is pre-nuclear. So unless it's, oh, Germany somehow had an atomic bomb mm. 30 years before <laughs> the Manhattan Project. Yeah, I don't know. Aries whispers in somebody's ear and they decide to shoot Franz Ferdinand and then we get craft work. <laughs> World War One, <laughs> Even more concise than I did it. <laughs> We get that one visual of a poison gas that's crushing uh, a gas mask, so maybe it's a biological weapon. Well, possibly. I mean, mustard gas was a thing that was... Yeah, so I guess mustard gas jacked up that somehow, years before anybody invented a rocket, and the only aircraft that we see are single-engine biplanes. Yeah. And somebody's created a bomb that somehow they're going to get from Germany to the United States, or I guess England. Yeah. Yeah, because we've got a large part of this may just take place in England, I guess. Because we've got Etta Candy, who clearly has the English accent. Yeah, and they make a point of saying, oh, look, this is London. And (laughs) Wonder Woman's not having it. (laughs) That's right. Where did I get? Yeah, it's not for everybody. It's London that they were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I'm stupid. This beer is going to my head quickly. You should have some more. I'm gonna. (laughs) You fill in while I drink. Okay. So, like I said, I'm hoping it doesn't suck. There's a lot of things that look great about it. I. I like the fighting scenes, but I'm also, again, hoping that we're not getting all of the best parts of the movie in the various advertisements that we've had for it. We can't possibly be, because I haven't seen a set piece yet. Yeah. The the big CGI dive off the cliff to save Steve Trevor, I doubt we're ending the movie on that. (laughs) Uh, The the, the training... trust falls, trust falls. (laughs) The training on Thymascara, that's got to be early. That's most of the action that we've seen other than quick cut Michael Bay style. Yep, I'm stopping machine gun bullets and whipping Nazis with my lasso. (laughs) Guess we'll find out. They're not even Nazis yet. No, they're not. Kaisers, doughboys, dicks, just dicks. Germans. What what do we call the Germans? (laughs) Germans. We called them Germans. Really? It it took another war to come up with the, uh, the pejorative of kraut? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I want to be encouraged. There's there's not a ton of information in the trailers. And in its own way, that's good. I like a trailer that's not telling me absolutely everything. There's nothing in that trailer that you don't know from any Wonder Woman comic, despite the weird, twisted True. origin that Greg Rucka is trying desperately to untangle reasonably successfully. This but, is true. But it's, a, yeah, if you've ever read a Wonder Woman comic, yeah, Steve Trevor and Thymascara and Daughter of Hippolyta and fights for peace with a sword. Yeah, and since, <laughs> and since Zack Snyder is only EPing it and only has his fingers kind of in, we probably won't get lingering weird bondage imagery. Probably. That's going to be tried to be passed off as some sort of homage to the creator of Wonder Woman. Yeah, William whatever, Martin, Marsden. Marsden, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, but that's the whole origin of the character was <laughs> so she could be tied up and the creator could beat off. <laughs> I have no response to that. I mean, I've read that. 
Uh, yeah, and I have no proof of it. Yeah, but I'm guessing. <laughs> I've read that. It's we're in a weird space for me because the movie I was looking most forward to was Logan. Yep, which is done and was done. satisfying, and I would like to see that again. And now it's you know okay, yep, Wonder Woman. I'm hoping for the best. Guardians of the Galaxy two, hoping for the best. But for me, it's now I'm just coasting. Right. I'm just hoping to to have a movie wow me more than I was looking forward to Logan, and Logan wowed me. Yeah, I mean, you at this point have now reached a place in your life. You said to me as you're going through the TV listings, should we should we queue up on the TiVo X Men Apocalypse? And I was like, oh, you know, we should maybe see if we have a reason to continue not to care about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now that it's free on cable, now that it's free, it's just sucking up hard drive space on the TiVo. Fine, we'll we'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> Pod- Lo- Logan was the money shot. Logan has passed along. So, yep. <laughs> let's see. Let's see Oscar Isaac going from the dizzying highs of Poe Dameron <laughs> to the terrifying lows of Apocalypse. Uh, I mean, I'm at a point now with like my post-Logan hangover where I'll see things on the internet that are clearly clickbait. Like, did Logan have a cameo in Night at the Museum 3? And like, I, I don't ever want to see that movie, but I'd like to see Logan. <laughs> it's a, did you see the thing where at least Mangold, uh, the director James Mangold, claims he tipped off the end of Logan in the Wolverine. No, it's a, there's a scene where, and it's been a couple of years. I bought it. We didn't see it in the theater. I bought it on Blu-ray when right. it came out and we watched it once and, and enjoyed it, but yeah. we've only seen it once. It's all right. But uh, there's a scene. So it's, I'm not going from memory here. I don't remember it real clearly because I was drunk, <laughs> but uh, there's a scene where uh, he's with uh, a mutant who can see, the future, but can only see people's end. Mm. And she says, I see you lying on your back, covered in blood with your heart in your hand. And somebody tweeted that screen capture to Mangold with talking about the end of Logan, where he's holding Laura's hand, X-23's hand. And he's like, bingo, you got it. (laughs) So he's claiming that he had Logan's end in mind as far back as 2013 in the Wolverine. Okay. So now I got to watch the Wolverine again. You're drinking, which, which I was in the mood to do anyway. After we're Logan. snowed in tonight, so that, that's true. <laughs> Not going anywhere? <laughs> you know, I've got this horrible two mile commute to my job. I'm sure they'll believe I can't possibly make it tomorrow. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's a, if that's true, at least he's claiming it's true, and it does kind of map up. Uh, that's a that's a guy with vision. Give Mangold more fucking superhero movies. Yes, away from Snyder. <laughs> He's he's on the Fox side. He'll be all right. Okay. <laughs> Give him Aquaman. You damn fool! You're more useless than Aquaman. Yeah, nobody needs Aquaman. No, I mean, are they still looking for somebody for the Flash? It's uh, I, I like uh, what's his name? Team Thud. Oh yeah. Um, Who's the guy? Cal Drogo. No, um, his name. The is... guy who played Cal Drogo. <laughs> yes, Team Thud. <laughs> We've said this on on previous shows, but if you're just catching up, in the first season of Game of Thrones, which we would watch drunk every Sunday nights, yes, it's every time he would show up. We're like, he's so we're like Cal Drogo. He's so dumb. His name should be Thud. We're <laughs> Team Thud. <laughs> I honestly can't remember his name right now, and I feel bad about that. Jason Momoa. There we go. Pulled Thank that you. one out of my ass. Suddenly, it comes back to me. <laughs> Thud. But uh, yeah, as much as I like him, it doesn't matter what you know. Sneak footage from the editing bay that Zack Snyder tries to throw up on Twitter to make Aquaman cool. Aquaman, and I'm sorry, Jeff Johns is not fucking cool. 
He's no. not. He's never going to. He can be made less uncool, but you cannot make Aquaman cool. Although now I kind of want to see Mara eat a horse's heart. And then. <laughs> <laughs> and have Garth just have fucking gold poured on his yeah, head. <laughs> I would watch that movie. I, I think Amber Heard would be down for that. Uh, we have smartphones. I think we should make that movie. <laughs> like in the backyard. <laughs> Uh, in the snow, yeah. That's... <laughs> <laughs> It'll be nice and warm. <laughs> no, no, the, the, won't. Mo- the molten gold will. Oh, and now I'm flashing back to the hateful eight. Yeah, we should move on before things get even weirder. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. So, yeah, that was a long talk about a trailer, which I try not to do because there's ultimately nothing in a trailer. But I really, <clears throat> I'm hoping for the best for DC films. I'm hoping that the grown-ups. Whoever the grown-ups were who put the arm on Dan DiDio and said, yeah, this new 52 stuff, shit's got to stop. Comics need to be good. Fine, you want to do a Watchmen gimmick that'll make Rob scream when it finally reveals itself? Do a Watchmen gimmick, but make your comics good. And then there was Rebirth, and things are suddenly positive, and there's good stories. Not 100%, but a good, solid set of books. Yeah, although Mr. Oz seems to have made an appearance in this Action Comics book this week. I know. I'm aware of that. (laughs) Nothing's perfect. We'll talk about Action Comics coming up. Where's my whiskey funnel? Anyway. um, But hopefully the same grown-ups. I don't know if it's Diane Nelson or Jesus or somebody found Cthulhu. It doesn't matter to me. But hopefully they said, particularly with the success of Rebirth, yeah, look, let's do shit like this. And that has gotten, that message has gotten through to Patty Jenkins. I really want this movie to be good. I want Justice League to be good. It's still in Snyder's hands. This, I think, is our best hope yes. for a good DC, a really good DC Films movie. Although it's it's, it's Schrodinger's movie. It's, it's both awesome and awful. We won't know until the box is open. That has been every DC <laughs> Films movie from Man of Steel. And, True. Uh, <laughs> at, at best, uh, the box opened and didn't have a Joker boxing glove to kick in the taint. <laughs> but True. It's, it's, I, I'm really hoping that, that that this is the the good DC Films movie that sticks a stake in the ground and says, oh, okay, no, we can do it. Bear with us while we uh, pay Snyder off and, <laughs> and, and give him the, a Warner contract to do Sucker Punch 4. Please don't be another equivalent of the Hydrox of movies. Not quite an Oreo, but not so horrible as to be in- inedible. <laughs> not not Sam's brand <laughs> black and white flavored cookies. <laughs> okay. Now with 50% less carbon dust. <laughs> uh, now with less dried blood. Oh. <laughs> Ew. All right, like we said, this is going to be a relatively uh, short show because of various circumstances, so we're just going to talk a few comics at this point. Um, would you like to talk some comics? I would. I actually, uh, I had hidden my notes, but now I have them. It's a magic trick. Yes. Uh, a couple of these comics are good. Yes. Which book would you like to start with? The not good one. Really? Then we can work our way up. Okay. Unless you want to go and... It- did you want to save that one for last? No. Are you sure? No, okay. I'm not sure. 
It's and, a, you, you make the call. I, I think that we should talk about Man Thing Number 1, written by R.L. Stein with art by German Peralta. <laughs> I think we should talk about that yes. because the tagline to Man Line is those who know fear burn at the touch of Man Thing. And uh, R.L. Stein should be fucking burning. This, <laughs> should be afraid because this is so bad. <laughs> it's like comics so bad must yeah. warn others. This comic should be called Giant Size. For $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. It's, uh, Can you do that for a teen plus book? <laughs> uh, maybe. This is this is three ninety nine. I'm not sure I would use this to line Parker's litter tray. I this is not yeah. a good book. My first note here is those who know decent comics burn at the touch of R. L. Stein. <laughs> I I do want <clears throat> R. L. Stein of Goosebumps fame. Yeah, I, I do want to let's let's start with being fair. We yes. are Generation X. We are. We were in our mid-20s when R.L. Stein and Goosebumps became a thing. Yes. Uh, I never read them because being Generation X, I grew up with Stephen King and slasher films, and I didn't need watered-down horror because I had the real thing and nobody worried about it because I was born with a pair of testicles. (laughs) It was okay to be legitimately terrified by adult horror in Generation X at some point along the line, R.L. Stein and yeah. uh, horror for kids became a thing, and that never interested in me. So we are probably not the target audience for this. No, I. I mean, at age twelve, I read my first Stephen King, which was The Shining, and yeah, mine was Firestarter around the same time. Kind of worked my way from there. I was you know quick into Cujo and Salem's Lot, just whatever I could then get my hands on. Well, Stephen King, not to go on too much of a tangent. In the early to mid-80s was a really easy transition for comic geek kids who were trying mm. to read more adult because a lot of those books are really mutant-slash-superhero sure. books. You look at The Dead Zone, Firestarter, The Shining. There's a bunch of them where people have extra-normal Carrie. powers. Carrie. Yeah, Jesus, right out of the gate. <laughs> They're superhero stories. Superhero stories set in the real world long before it occurred to Alan Moore with generally tragic circumstances for everybody involved, but whether you yell flame on or you blow up the cinder block with your mind, the human torch is fire starter is, you know. Yeah. So it was really easy entry into more adult horror without talking down to anybody. Right. And... I didn't read any of Goosebumps. I, I seem to recall watching the Saturday morning program occasionally. I I never did. I had cable. Well, no, I did not see. So yeah. So yeah, there, there was no reason for me to watch that. Yeah. Um, I seem to recall there was one genuinely creepy one where, which was like the pilot where some little girl found a mask that she thought was awesome for Halloween, and it was truly creepy and grotesque. And every time she wore it, she felt great and powerful. And every time she wore it, it took a little longer for it to come off. And then it was this worry that she was going to become evil and it was going to bond to her skin. And, and Grimm totally ripped that off actually as a plot for one of their episodes last season. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But in any event, um, that's the only one that I remember that stood out in any way, shape or form on the TV program. Now flash forward to, all right, so you see this and you're like, all right, what is Marvel, Marvel trying to accomplish here? They're, they're not doing well. They're taking this approach of throwing anything at the wall to see what sticks. Let's bring in some some non-traditional comics writers. Okay, fine. Let's hire R.L. Stein. But how they got past, all right, so what's your pitch? I want Man-Thing to go to Hollywood. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh. We're going to spoil the shit out of this book. 
Yes. So you don't have to read it. You shouldn't read it anyway. You have better things to do with your time. Yeah, look, if you're the odd millennial uh, listener uh, to this show, we're sorry if we're tearing it down, but just go back and revisit your Goosebumps books. Yeah. Number one, if you're you're that young, you're still reading Goosebumps, tell your mom you shouldn't be listening to this show. <laughs> Or if you're that young that you're you're reading Goosebumps books and you're interested in this show, might I suggest some Stephen King? Yes. <laughs> Go that, read some Stephen King. That's right. I mean, we talked about Firestarter, and I never even... I burn my family alive. <laughs> I like to light things on fire. I can't let the show go by without that. No, I can't do it. No, But, uh, so, yeah, it's... <laughs> it's somehow... In this book, the man thing, for the first time ever, I think ever, ever. since everything Steve Gerber came up with him, yeah, it gets his brain back and yeah, it decides he's going. In nah. speech, the, he gets to talk. That's right. Even though <laughs> there's nothing resembling vocal cords in him, nope. At least they tried to explain that in Swamp Thing with oh, he tried to reproduce his own anatomy. It's uh, no, this is just uh, I can talk and I can tell shitty jokes and I'm going to Hollywood. <laughs> I don't, in addition to the list of things I don't need out of man thing, um, I, I don't need him to talk. I certainly don't need him to vocalize. And if he's vocalizing, I don't need him to make Spider-Man like quips. Like, yeah. if there was ever anything I thought I would never see. Uh, yeah. Because it's, it's dumb. Even, like, I, you wrote this out, R.L. Stein. You well, wrote this out and you turned this into an editor. Well, let's also be fair. It's not only him that tells shitty Spider-Man-like quips, only awful. True. In the backup... uh, No, it wasn't the backup story. When they went back to fill in his origin, uh, they tried to fill in missing elements, assuming those elements were shitty fucking jokes. Yes. There's... There's the guy who's in the car when Man-Thing is ready to throw it into the water. He's like, hey, I didn't bring my bathing suit. Oh, yes, when I'm about to be murdered, believe me, if I'm going to be murdered, I'd like to have a Bill Murray-esque rye quip. (laughs) I'd like to do better than, you know, hey, my clavicle's not a scabbard as I'm being stabbed in the neck. That's stupid. Those are shitty last words. I'd rather whimper not the face and piddle on myself. (laughs) There's more dignity in it somehow. I agree with you. I feel as though that Stein only wrote this because he wanted to do the backup stories, which were equally shitty. Uh, yeah. Well, d- before we get to the backup story, which is awful. Yes. <laughs> but l- let's just go with the logic around the story, trying to apply some because there isn't any. So uh, this guy, Ted, whatever his name is, and I, I forget his name. Ted was- from accounting. Yeah, uh- Ted from accounting. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ted... Because, uh, yeah, we establish in the origin, but even Steve Gerber, we never needed to know who Ted was. It's, it was part of the, he was a guy who became Man-Thing. Fine. So somehow, in a way we're not told, he gets his mind back and learns how to talk. Now, he's been Man-Thing since 1973. Right. Or however long in Marvel sliding time that is. It's not yesterday. No. It's... So, and at the least, can I just interject? If they were going to have him go through some long, arduous process to get his mind and speech back, given the other awful, shitty elements that Stein worked into this, couldn't we at least have had a montage that was some sort of pathetic Patch Adams, like he's in the hospital <laughs> throwing him in a ball? And, like, <laughs> give, give him a Rocky montage. He's, 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 he's punching, he's, he's doing Sudoku. <laughs> he's... he's 
You go, buh. He's watching Electric Company. Buh. Oh. <laughs> and he's just crying with his own shame. But every little victory, he's starting to get his brain back. That's a great idea. Gonna fly now. Jesus. <laughs> so... But we don't get that. No, we don't get that. What we get is, I worked so hard to get my mind back. Okay, fine. Let's assume Man-Thing has his mind back and he can talk. He doesn't contact his family and let him know he's okay. No. He doesn't call, and I really had to think about this, who do you call in the Marvel Universe now? And it's really Parker Industries. That's it. (laughs) That's the only only person to call in the Marvel Universe now that editorial has, in its infinite wisdom, it's sidelined Reed Richards and Hank Pym and Tony Stark. No, Peter Parker is who you've got, and he's about to lose his company. Yeah, I mean, unless somehow on the Dark Knight you reach out to Amadeus Cho, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, call the Who Hulk. would think you're a really cool science project? Yeah, he'd, he'd take you apart or he'd land and just punch you in the face because yeah. you're the fucking man thing and he's the fucking Hulk. Right. Yeah, Amadeus Cho. That's still a better story than what R.L. Stein wrote. I would watch Amadeus <laughs> Cho punching on man thing. It's uh, also the the new wasp, uh, yes. God, whose name I forget, who is very much a, a girl genius character. Natasha something? No, not uh, Natasha. She, no, that's, uh, yeah, I forget. I read the first couple issues yeah. and, and really liked it as, this is good girl power stuff, but I'm a 46-year-old man. <laughs> uh, but it, it legitimately enjoyed the book, yeah. but I'm like, this is, I'm not the target audience, so it's... After a certain point, if you're spending $150 a week on comics, something has to something go. Something has to go. Uh, yeah, the Moon Girl. You could call Moon Girl, Moon Girl, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. I, I, things Adolescents I would, are the only people that you could fucking call for help for science in the Marvel Universe. Things now. I would rather have read other than this issue, a Man-Thing, Squirrel Girl t- team up. <laughs> I would have I read the hell out of that. <laughs> Just send the squirrels <laughs> to like, pull nuts out of yeah. them. <laughs> hey, they're pulling my nuts out. But I'm... Hey. That's an R.L. Stein level joke. Yeah. <laughs> Except dirty. Hey, my nuts. Which you won't do. Oh, God. Stop coveting my nuts. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So he doesn't call anybody. He doesn't seek help. He just decides, okay, somehow I'm going to get my body back. But in the meantime, I'm going to do this via Hollywood. Uh, but no, it's, he. so he- Where what? average looking people can't go and get hired. So. Right. So <laughs> what is he? He presumably goes to get an agent. Mm. He must get some headshots. I don't know how he pays for headshots. He has no fucking pockets. Bitcoin. I don't. <laughs> yes, he's got a. He's huge into the blockchain. He's, he's a wicked. He's a crypto man thing. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the story. The man thing. If you know fear, you will burn at the touch of the man thing. He tries to act. He tells shitty jokes. He walks the street and lets people point and laugh at him. Despite the fact he could teleport, he was the Thunderbolts teleporter. That's right. Was that back during Dark Reign or after Dark Reign? That's, that was his whole... Yeah, that was the Jeff Parker run. Yeah, that was his whole mode and modus for being in the Thunderbolts. Yep. I need somebody who can teleport, and having the man thing around might be cool. Because everybody everybody likes the man thing. For a $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. You, you know what he didn't do during the Thunderbolts? What? Talk. Yeah. <laughs> He's never talked. The force of... Na- you know what he didn't do in the Man Thing movie, which I think I liked better than this fucking. Oh book? God, that was such a bad movie. It was horrible, but he didn't talk. Who was in that movie? That was so bad. Uh, trust me, no people are still trying to flake that off their resume with their thumbnail. Nobody will admit. Oh no, you know who was in it? That asshole from Hawaii Five O. Oh, McGarrett, the guy who plays McGarrett. Yeah, that poor son of a bitch. Well, everybody starts somewhere. <laughs> how how that guy kept getting chances. <laughs> After Man Thing, <laughs> <laughs> just, 
It's a Hollywood's anointed you, boy. We're gonna find something for you. Let's go Even after the man in- thing. Book them, Dano. <laughs> <laughs> That was a man thing level joke, and you should feel bad. I would feel bad, but you know what? I would rather read than Man Thing Number One by Arl Stein. What? Man Thing versus Hawaii Five O. <laughs> I would read that because because it would have Jorge Garcia's character in there, and he'd be all a like weird crypto conspiracy nut all over that shit. I I would read that. He would add off, and it would and it would have Masioka doing something as a medical examiner poking and prodding man thing. <laughs> I would read the fuck out of that. My name is Hiro Nakamura. I'm from the future, and I have a message for you. Man thing doesn't speak. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the worst part. I'm just, I'm looking at my notes here, not to do on a, on a, a non sequitur, but we said, you know, he who knows fear burns at the touch of the man thing. The head of studio development touches man thing, doesn't burn. Because oh, he's not afraid of him. He's not afraid yeah. of anything except for a studio flop. That's why he's firing him. I guess. Nobody in this book seems to know fear. I, I guess this is the Marvel Universe. Everybody's lived next to a scroll or something. But you'd think you'd get some reaction well, to I seeing Man-Thing walking down the street stronger than he smells like truffle fries. Is, which is what most people, oh, he smells funny and he's dripping on my rug. I mean, not to Not to give this any sort of more gravitas than it deserves which is none there's it, no gravitas it, it, his main competitor his his foe in this is himself some doppelganger shows up near the end and he's fighting himself on a on a city street in in hollywood and and so he his battle is within within his own mind he doesn't want to go back to to who and what he was it's very self-involved which makes me wonder is everybody else not afraid of him or not even giving a shit about him and just like insulting him because they're so self-involved they too their battle is within their own mind is this what rl stein is saying about hollywood rl stein how did hollywood hurt you was it goosebumps <laughs> was it the tv show don't tell us. You know, I don't really care. But. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go. What, what's your point? What do you got? That was my point. Oh, okay. Is that the metaphor? Is this going to play out over the next couple of books? I don't know. I don't care. I'm not going to read them. It's awful. It's awful. Oh, yeah. Two, so bad. Two man things at the end. Show them. Show them both. <laughs> and then there was... Just nuke it from orbit. Yeah. It's the only way to be sure. Yeah, it's... Yeah, you know, I am not the world's biggest uh, man thing fan. I respect uh, Gerber. Uh, I love his Howard the Duck. I recognize there's a rich history to this character that I'm not completely familiar with, but I'm familiar enough to know what he's supposed to be, and this just isn't it. No. And then there's a backup story. And then there's a backup story. Which uh, it's about a guy who kills his wife to get his hands on a magic ring. Uh, it's very Tales of the Crypty. Uh, yeah, assuming that no one at EC Comics had ever heard of or owned a pair of testicles. It's, just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's written for a 10-year-old, as who would be reading Goosebumps. Yeah, it's ballless, soulless, and it's, yeah, the, the horror is for a 10-year-old, oh God, the, he lost his fingers. Now I gotta whack off with his stump. <laughs> That's gonna take a while. <laughs> I don't think I can convince my mom I'm taking a dump for the time it would take to whack off with my stumpies. <laughs> um, you read a lot more into the underlying horror of that than I did. <laughs> I remember horror as a child, and I had my own <laughs> internal set of terrors. You and I had very different childhoods. That even Big Steve <laughs> King wouldn't go into. Jesus. In Big Steve King books, all the geeks get to fuck Beverly and It. 
<laughs> was that a chapter in Dance Macabre I didn't read? Uh, no, that was a chapter in It. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to reread it. Yeah, it's, it's been a while, but <laughs> that's, that's the moment the book goes, well, fuck. Huh? <laughs> well, what now? Shit, Steve. <laughs> and I read it mostly on the toilet. <laughs> I, I do remember that. I remember there was a turtle. Uh, <laughs> there was a yeah a turtle at some point, and the big bad was a spider, and I'm afraid of spiders. But it's, it's there was a clown. Yeah, the, well, everybody remembers. The I clown. must have blocked out the the Beverly Gangbang. Oh my god, that's the moment where I read it at 14 or 15. So I was not the most sophisticated reader in the world, but that that's the moment where even as a 14, 15 year old, you know, any sexual fantasy is enough to. to it's a it really no. This doesn't. This is not a thing. This is not a thing that Steve who hurt you. <laughs> you must drink as much as you say those rumors about eating acid and sitting in a room full of spiders maybe true maybe yeah, I don't remember that one I, that, okay I'll, I'm gonna take your word for it I remember like weird like other sexual shit in his books that was also creepy like yeah, you know, the, the the naked rotting lady in the shining coming out of the bathtub but, well I mean yeah shit but that's in the Kubrick movie everybody remembers yeah, that yeah but I remember that from the book because it was ooh. but in any event <laughs> all of it's ooh a bunch of 13 year olds fucking in a sewer that's a very specific niche. I don't even think they have a website. <laughs> I think they all just take it out of the library and just return brand new, straight from the bookstore, non-sticky copies. <laughs> I think that's what they do. Sure. We've gone down a dark path. We, Darker than man thing. We have. It's uh, Look, um, on the positive side, and I think you hit it earlier, this feels like somebody at Marvel, be it Axel Alonso or Joe Quesada, but somebody realizing the bind they're currently in and trying to do what Marvel did back in 2000, which was the last time they were in bad trouble, and bring in outside writers. You know, but back then, the names were J. Michael Straczynski <laughs> and Stephen King to do the Dark Tower comics. Yes. R.L. Sine, kitty horror writer. Yeah. It's, it's not a good fit for man thing. There's, the guy's got an audience. There's got to be a property you can put him on, man thing, Probably not it. No. I don't know what it is, but... I don't either. (laughs) You know, Werewolf by Night, forget all those uh, Marvel Knights, uh, much darker... I don't know. I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah, this is just... Right. This is just... Yeah. (laughs) It's it's lacking. It's lacking quite a bit. It's lacking. Let's talk about better books. Let's Which one would you books. like to go to? Whichever one you would like to. No, you... you... No, I picked Man-Thing. You, you pick the next one. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let's, let's do Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, the okay. big lie number one. Now, here's something funny. This is a property that was intended for children. This is no longer intended for children. <laughs> no, uh, it is not. This is written by Anthony Del Cole, uh, art by... Uh, Werther Deledra? What kind of parents would name their kid that? I probably fucked that up, but uh, yeah, this is a new dynamite uh, license property. Yeah, it's uh, wh- why don't you start with observations? Because you know, for me, it's uh, like a lot of kids in the seventies. The the very first books I read were Hardy Boys books. Yeah, I, I read Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. Um, and there's a whole bunch of world building where they, they extend this out to all other kind of kids series because. Spoiling the shit out of this book. Yes. We've got the Hardy Boys uh, facing dark times. Their father has died, and they believe their father has been murdered. Everybody else in the world thinks their father has committed suicide because he was convicted of being a corrupt cop. 
Yes, except the cops think it's it's murder. They're, yeah, the, the they're cops, leaning on yeah. Frank and Joe. So in in the tiny New England tourist town of Bayport, we have the Hardy Boys, and we also apparently have the Bobsy Twins <laughs> and have, Tom Swift. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's all these kids series coming out of this one one little town, and. In this story, we see the cops interrogating the Hardy Boys separately to see what they can get out of them regarding what they're sure is the boys' murder of their father. Right. Except the boys have been detectives for a long time. They're not playing the cops' game to varying degrees. Their stonewalling of the cops' work works, except we get to watch one of them get beat up by a cop, which was just weird and disturbing for me. <laughs> yeah, but it's they're definitely trying to noir this up and oh doing absolutely it very successfully absolutely but there was just a part of me that was just like whoa <laughs> yeah it's this exists in a weird noir universe where yeah it's like back in the 40s the cops could still tune you up yeah <laughs> you know confession via phone book <laughs> yeah it's just the idea though like, all right frank hardy's just taken in the face <laughs> hey it's it's meant to to do that yeah yeah i mean it's it's an interesting, on one hand, trip down memory lane, because, yeah, it's it's updating the Hardy Boys. It's sticking them into this very film noir story where, yeah, as opposed to Bayport being a smiling place full of all happy adults and, oh, somebody wants to steal the gold from the cave. No, it's a crooked tourist town with dirty cops and, yeah, rich kids from all these famous books, because that's a... That's the thing. It's uh, all these kids in these books have to be fucking rich as shit, right? In order to function, yeah. So yeah, it's it's rich kids in this tourist town, and it it reminded me a lot of Ed Brubaker's Last of the Innocents art. Yeah, okay, with the, the Archie thing. Yeah, it's a, they took the kids from Archie, but looked at them a few years later after they'd been adults and all went down the wrong. Reggie path was a horrible and, sociopath. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Jughead was a junkie. Yeah, and yeah, it's it reminded me of that a lot. And there are there's worse company to be in because that was a really good story. Yeah, so they they've got this whole world that's building out, and and we don't, and, and they also just show you just enough. So now I'm I'm really kind of eagerly anticipating the next issue because I I want to see what layers they're going to unfold next. At the end of this, there's a reveal that Nancy Drew is helping the Hardy boys out because she's got more information and she's kind of helping to run this investigation of their father's murder. murder. Yeah. Um, and she's dressed up all badass like she's fucking Buffy the Vampire Slayer in silhouette at the end. But it's Well, just... that's the thing with all of this. It tries very much to modernize it. I mean, yeah. you know, it's nobody's wearing, you know, chinos in a button-down, you know, shirt. It's yeah. no, they're they're kids in the 21st century. Hardy Boy Noir. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I wanted it. And yet. And yet. It's it's really interesting to take these ideal environments and by introducing corruption, real fucking corruption, not, you know, I'm going to get that treasure chest you know, out of the museum. It's a really interesting way to reexamine the original stories. And Alan Moore has known that for years. Right. And it, Turns out it works with these children books, too. I mean, if you take a step back and put this in the real world, of course somebody would want Fenton Hardy, the perfect chief in this tourist town, which 
clearly there would have to be a burgeoning drug trade sure. and perhaps prostitute. Of course somebody well, would in want. In a town like this, you know, it, it's not that hard to imagine because they're right on the water. Somebody's running drugs in. Yeah. And, or, or just somebody's <laughs> cooking meth up on the hill to sell to the, the people who are renting cottages sure. down, you know, or selling pot, at least something. You know, if you've got a pure, straight and true cop, of course you want him out of the way. Of course people would look askance at the sons of this chief of police who are just out solving mysteries and getting great grades and they can't do anything wrong and they've got a great future. Of course somebody wants to take them down a peg. Yeah, being around criminals would make at least one of them a fucking tough guy. Real criminals, somebody would have to be able to fight to get away. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, they get even tougher. You drag their safety net out from under them where uh, they might have to fight cops. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And of course, Tom Swift and his fucking Swifties would be irritating as fuck to have to talk to. (laughs) He talks in all mysteries. It took me like 45 minutes to figure out he wanted me to go in the other room. Yeah, because he's an asshole. (laughs) Simple declarative statements, Tom. It's like we know where the meth went. (laughs) (laughs) Either that or he's selling his Adderall to somebody. (laughs) (laughs) One way or the other. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it all works as a noir story surprisingly well. It's, yeah, a town full of, you know, and as somebody from New England, not from a tourist town, but I've been to enough of them, and we tend to go to these towns, you and I, Amanda, in off-season because they will have attractions that we want to go to. That's why we go to Fun Spot in April and in October up at Lake Winnipesaukee. When everybody else has gone home. Uh, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the people who live there are insular. Uh, you know, they're certainly not you know, mean to us or anything, yeah. but it, when we go in there, it's clearly not big smiles tourist season. Right. So uh, we've seen places like this. Sure. So it, it it also affects us, I think, in a certain way, because yeah, we've, we've seen these New England type towns right. and recognize, yeah, people live there and it's never as smiley and beautiful as they want you to believe from the little brochure at the front of the diner. Yeah, I mean, go to Hyannis on Cape Cod in March. I mean, not today. There's a blizzard. But yeah, you'll die. <laughs> you'll die like a pig. But yeah, it's, it's you know, or Buzzard Bay. Or like, there's, <laughs> there's nothing going on in the off season. There's nothing. Yeah. So yeah, this was surprisingly good. I mean, I got it from pure nostalgia. It's a, I still remember... And I wish I could remember, I still have a couple of them. They're out in the garage or over here in storage uh, somewhere. The, my first couple of Hardy Boys books that I had to prove I could read those to move on to more adult novels. And I read early. So this is me at six or seven years old. Mm. Yeah, but, I read those in early elementary school. Yeah, but it's most of how I got into those was I was a fan of the 70s Hardy Boys TV show with Sean Cassidy and Parker Stevenson. So that's how I got into Hardy Boys as a really little kid, because that was like 76, so I'd have been five or six. I got into Nancy Drew because it was in the house because my mother had them growing up, and my parents were cheap. (laughs) So they were in the house. We had that and some Bobsy twins. That will certainly also do it. Yeah. But uh, (laughs) it's weird. (laughs) It's weird looking back on that show now. I had the 45 of Sean Cassidy singing, oh God, it was a cover of... uh, Jesus. It was some early 50s cover. You had a record? I did. I had a record. Aw. Yeah. What's that like? (laughs) (laughs) No. No. Okay. (laughs) But I just think it's funny because Parker Stevenson, who played Frank, he spent a bunch of years married to Kirstie Alley. That's right. Stuck in Scientology. 
Frank Hardy should have seen that shit coming. <laughs> he really should have been paying more attention. But yeah, it's a, I've got a certain amount of nostalgia for these characters, even though I haven't read them or, or seen any media with them literally since I was six or seven years old. So I got it purely going, all right, what are you going to do with this? And I was really surprised. It was a really solid crime story. Yeah. So this one, this one was a lot of fun. It's you wouldn't expect it from the title. The same way you'd expect legitimate horror from Man Thing, you wouldn't expect a legitimate crime story from a Hardy Boys book. But uh, yeah, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, the big lie. This is a good one. This is this is a case study in what to do as opposed to what not to do when you're given an established property. Yes, if you're going to try to, if you're going to try to go in a different direction. Yes. All right, Superman. Speaking of established properties. Yes. Well established. <laughs> well established. Action Comics 975. Uh, written by, there's two stories in here. So one written by Dan Jurgens, the other by Paul Dini. Uh, art on the, the uh, main story by Doug uh, Monke. What kind of parents would name their kids? <laughs> I'll never be able to pronounce that. Uh, backup art by Ian Churchill. So this is the issue where we finally learn who the other non-Superman Clark Kent is. It's been... Ever since Rebirth, this big mystery of there's another Clark Kent who has no idea about Superman and seems to be completely mortal, that he's been wandering around and we finally learn who it is. And, and I did not see this coming. I did not. Uh, so it's spoilers <laughs> all the way on this. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> and I'll take shit for this. Mr. Mixelplick. Yeah. I learned that as much as I have bitched in recent episodes about Super Friends nostalgia... That's where I learned how to pronounce it. I recognize there are purists who will say that is dead wrong and dumbing it down for children. I will stand by it because that's how I've pronounced it since I was about seven years old. And if you look in the back of the book, there's a little bullet point talking about him saying there are various accepted pronunciations, and that's one of them. So, Mr. Mixelplick. All right. And I had, yeah, I, I in no way saw that coming. It was a hell of a hell of a double blind. Good work, Dan Jurgens. Uh, maybe you should reach out to M. Night Shalomanalan, who can <laughs> take some pointers for you on how to to do a twist uh, post. I see dead things. Or I, <laughs> yes, I see dead things. <laughs> like man thing. Yeah, oh, should have seen that coming. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's weird because I wouldn't have seen it coming because we haven't spent ever since Crisis really a lot of time with Mister Mixelplick. No, because he's been problematic. You know, it's there was a Grant Morrison did a story about fifth dimensional wizards and imps in JLA. Yes, uh, but I don't even think Mixelplick was in that. No, but uh, I think Bat might might have been. That's possible. I'd, yeah, I'd have to reread it. It's been a little while. But uh, other than that, you don't see a lot of Mixelplick since, the, like, yeah, Crisis, 85, 86. And that's not necessarily a bad thing given what DC was trying to accomplish back then. Now, with, with Rebirth kind of being a repudiation of what 80s comics caused comics overall to become as we went into the Dark Age, it kind of makes sense to use Mixelplick as a signal that yeah, that's kind of all over. Yeah. So what we what we find out is not only is Mixelplick back, he's pissed. 
Uh, yeah. He's been putting time out for however long. He's pissed. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's it ties into the overall theme of, oh, Watchmen did this to everything. And yes, I'm the day's going to come. I see Rorschach in a comic book, and I'm going to start throwing punches. We're not there yet. It's still purely theoretical. But it was supposedly Mr. Oz who took Mixelplick out of play because he added chaos to Superman and just sort of put him aside. So by tying it into Watchmen and sort of winking and nodding at the audience, comics like this made characters like this not only non-essential, but persona non grata. It's like, this is not what we want. Okay, it all ties together with what seems to be one of the greater themes of the rebirth story, if you can call it that. Most books don't have anything to do with this overall Watchmen thing. Yeah. But if there's an overall rebirth story, it's a, okay, fine. The comics are different than what they were in the 80s. So what the story opens that Lois and Earth, what is it, Earth 2, Clark? Uh, no, they're just pre-crisis. Pre- pre-crisis. Actually, no, not pre-crisis. Post-crisis, pre-flashpoint. Lois and Clark. Yes. <laughs> are looking for their son, John, who has disappeared. He He sort of faded out of existence and... Somehow they know that the mortal Clark Kent is to blame, but how? Yes. And and so they go and break into his apartment because Superman can get away with that because he's Superman. Technically, he's Clark Kent. Technically, he is Clark Kent. He's going home. He's going home. <laughs> when they when they realize that um, John, their son, is not there, but Clark Kent, the mortal, is, it then turns into this sort of whole, like, you know, you forgot me, and he starts morphing into different characters, finally revealing that he's Mixelplick and saying that everybody is going to forget about your son, John, unless you can placate me. Yes. And I firmly believe a lot of those were just purely so Doug... What kind of parents would name a kid that? Monkey could (laughs) finance his trip to San Diego this year. Yeah. It's a... Because... I found the backup story far more interesting than the main story. The main story delivered, but it was an excuse to have a lot of big splash pages of Superman fighting Superman's rogues gallery. Yeah, I mean, not not a lot actually happens in this issue in in the front story. Right. It, it really is more of an excuse for lots of pages of art, which is fine. Yeah, it's it's the reveal and the plot point of, oh, he's already made Lois forget about her son. Yeah. And then we get to the Paul Dini backup story. And and that story I thought was highly effective in terms of Mixelplick is interacting with Son John. And yeah, it makes sense that he is able to have a reasonable conversation with a 12-year-old or however old John is supposed to 10. Yeah, well, in its own way, I, I think he's exactly the right character to interface with Mixelplick right as he comes back. Because number one, he's a kid. And Mixelplick was from back when Superman comics were kids' comics. Yeah. He's the right target audience for a character like that. Yeah, and the way that they talk about it, you know, Dini's clever with it. My dad used to tell me stories about you. And <laughs> Yeah, but it's also, that's exactly it. He's new to the DC universe. So he only knows, as really most of us, you know, we're Generation X. I know Mixelplick from Super Friends. Yep. And I've read one or two classic stories, but most of those Silver Age stories with Mixelplick, I've never seen them. Yeah. What I know about them is, uh, yeah, Super Friends and a couple of secondhand, you know, secondhand things. But yeah, the character basically disappeared in Crisis. 
So to have a character who's new to the DC universe to allow Mixelplik to organically introduce himself yeah. to what amounts to a new reader is a really smart way to introduce it. Well, and it's also smart going forward because presumably once this is resolved, it gives Mixelplik a character who is seemingly more appropriate to interact with for stories going forward. Uh, yeah, a, a pre-teen Superboy is perfect for a Mixelplik character. Yeah. So it, it makes a lot of sense if that's who he imprints on from here on out, then great. <laughs> that's a perfect place for a character like that. Right. Because, yeah, you could say what you want, but... <laughs> well, because Batmite's not going to imprint on Tim Drake. Like, <laughs> Batmite's not going to imprint on anybody. Look, you could say what you want about, you know, oh, Watchmen in the Dark Ages, but, you know, as somebody who read comics in the 80s, in junior high school and in high school, characters like this, when Crisis made them go away, be it Batmite or Mixelplit, we were psyched about that. We were desperate for comics to be seen as more adult. Sure. That's why we rejected Batman 66. <laughs> now, it's fine for a millennial who grew up with X-Men and Spider-Man every Saturday morning and who have never lived in a movie with, in a world without a serious Batman movie. You know, to, they can say, oh, that's cheesy and we'll kind of embrace that. But yeah, those kids never had to know that Biff is what the fucking jocks would yell just before they knocked your Dark Knight Returns trade out of your fucking arms <laughs> in the fucking hallway. Right. Yeah. They they never had to bring a first print copy of Son of the Demon to show the drama kids. And let me repeat that. To show the fucking drama kids that Batman wasn't fucking Robin. Uh, no, look, see, he's having sex with Talia. He's actually straight. <laughs> there was every fucking millennial who's, you know, like, oh no, that's kind of cute. No, that got us that got the shit kicked out of us in junior high school. We needed that to go away for a while. As an adult. With an income and a home who can buy a gun if necessary. Nobody's going to come to your house and knock your Dark Knight Returns out of your arms. <laughs> I'll shoot them. I, I, I won't let them in. It's okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we live up on a hill. We can see them coming. So TLDR, my childhood. I burn my family alive. I like to light things on fire. But did, it's, it's, did you want to play the sad Hulk music during any of that? No, I'm good. Okay. I'm good. I got it out of my system. All right. <laughs> But it's, there's a reason that went away. That reason is no longer valid. Everybody embraces comics. It's a huge part of popular culture. Fine, bring Mexiplik back. That's, it's, I can step back from it and say there's totally a place for that character now, particularly if he's going to interface with Superboy. Yes. Well, there's an episode of Supergirl. Apparently, he makes an, an appearance. We haven't watched that yet. It's been sitting there sort of festering on the TiVo. <laughs> We'll get to it. There's no such thing as bit rot, no matter what they say. True. So it's it also, despite, clearly I have long lingering scars. Clearly. Over, over some of the sillier elements of Silver Age comics that I'm glad went away during the Dark Age. But the cool thing about this is, even though it's Mixelplik, the story is actually, it's very serious. And it's it's meant to be from the cover that has Clark in the Death of Superman t-shirt. Yeah. This is about the kidnapping of a child, you know, the robbing of that child's memory from his mother. Yeah, and just there's general menace in that. Now, this is this is an abduction. That kid is under this sight. Yeah, he's an imp from the fifth dimension. He'll also blow him away to oblivion. He'll fuck with him. He'll lie to him. There, there's a certain amount of seriousness to All this. All out of like arbitrary pettiness because he feels entitled. 
and 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 you get it on the one hand like wow if somebody who meant a lot to me treated me the way you're describing superman treated me i would feel that way too on the other hand you're an ultra powerful imp from the fifth dimension you were able to get yourself free the the implication being that when oz kidnapped mixelplick he was expecting that superman would come and save him and superman never did so he had to save himself yeah, well, even that is sort of meta-commentary of when John tells Mixelplick, you know, my dad just thought you grew up, so it was okay to see you go. Sort of that indictment of Dark Age comics of grown-up means you have to throw this away. Yeah. And it's, again, it's it's easy right now to say, oh, no, that's stupid. There's a place for all of this in comics. There's not a place for that in comics when comics are getting your head flushed in the locker room toilet. That shit was what got your head flushed in the locker room toilet. It is a different time now, and absolutely there's a place for that. I was never happier after Crisis than seeing these silly things go away. But also I was 16 years old and taking shit from jocks. <laughs> there you go. So, so if you had told me at the beginning of Rebirth that the Superman arc... And that hooked me in early with like, wow, Superman's actually good. And it hadn't been good for a while, but I liked it. If you told me it ended in a plot with Mr. Mixelplick, I wouldn't (laughs) have bought the fucking thing. But I'm really invested now. It's really well done. And by tying it into the the overall, the Dark Age didn't necessarily do the best thing for comics forever. I still maintain between 85 and 89 was exactly what comics needed. And then people said, oh no, they took all the wrong lessons from it and blew it way out and got a lot of people, including myself, just about out of comics. Yeah, by tying it in that way to the dark age of comics, it's it's really well done. I yeah. really have, even though it's Mr. Mixelplick, I'm still digging this a lot. Yeah, no, I, I, I never thought I would see the day where I would read a book where there'd be a Mr. Mixelplick's reveal because they made a big deal of it on Supergirl and that like <laughs> like this is going to be on the next episode it's been sitting there I have had no interest in seeing it it yeah. may be great I don't know it may it may just have for your consideration just all over it yep but with with this uh, yeah they revealed it and I was like all right this makes sense and I'm not cringing from the character and and the way they're utilizing him in both stories makes sense yes absolutely it's <laughs> And it's not a Grant Morrison story, and it's got Mr. Mixelplick in it, and it makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just want to go back to myself at 16 years old and be like, Mixelplick's coming back, but don't worry. Everything gets better. (laughs) You won't have a locker room to go to. You'll have fine Berkshire Brewing Company steel rail pale ale to ease the pain. (laughs) It's making me hiccup already. It's a good sign. That's a good sign. So yeah, it's Superman has been solid both in his main title and in action comics since Rebirth. And I've never been the world's biggest Superman fan. And yes, Mr. Mixelplick is back. And yes, you still should be reading it. It's yes. really good. It's one of the better parts of DC Rebirth. Again. It's sort of a stalking horse to Batman. Batman has had more dizzying highs and terrifying lows. Superman has been solid under Jurgens and Tomas. Yeah, absolutely. So again, it... it the larger thematic issue of, of these three books that we've been talking about when you have an established property and you're looking to do something different with it and include it in a way that makes sense. This book is an excellent example of that. The big lie is an excellent example of that. And man thing is not. 
but that means I can't use this. Not this time. So yeah, if you're not on the Superman uh, train bandwagon, it's it, consider getting on it. Even though it's Mixelplick. Even though. So, <laughs> all right. Is that everything? Should we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. All right. So don't know where you found this particular podcast episode, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook, and uh, we have been getting more and more listeners communicating with us there, and we really like that. So, well, we've been trying to also do more with it. Certainly, you can always send us a message there, facebook.com slash crisisoninfinitemidlives. We are on Twitter. Twitter handle is at infinitemidlife. We're on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. You can find us on iTunes if that's how you like to get your podcasts. Certainly subscribe to us there. Also, if you get a minute, give us a review, give us a rating. It helps new people find the show. Uh, where else are we? We're on Google Play. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're on TuneIn Radio. Uh, we are proud members of the podcast, Comics Podcast Network. And the beer's starting to hit. <laughs> you can always email us <laughs> with all my terrible observations about Wonder Woman and things I forgot and why World War One is the best of all possible world wars to have a comic book movie in. And how Franz Ferdinand doesn't necessarily lead to, cra- lead to craft work. Exactly. Or or just defend R.L. Stein. What the hell? Crisis on Infinite Midlives. Yeah, try Mid- it. Come at me, bro. <laughs> Crisis on Infinite Midlives. At gmail.com. And I think that's everything. I think that's everything. All right. So this has been episode 145 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. Yeah, it's not for everybody. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. Batmite versus Damien. You go to hell. You go to hell and you die.